Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and I am thrilled to discover with you how we can construct a 9,000-door real estate portfolio in just five years. As an entrepreneur, Spencer Gray has founded several successful businesses in the fields of media distribution, real estate, and agriculture. He acquired his first rental property in 2006 and has since been involved in over $1 billion in real estate transactions. Today, he brings us the knowledge of this extensive experience in a variety of real estate investing strategies. So, Spencer, take us off by telling us about a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be the person you are today. Yeah, absolutely, Alan. And, and you know, and first off, again, you know, really appreciate you having me on your show. I've been looking forward to it. You know, one you know formal experience that really happened, and it's really a it was a, it was a major pivot point in my life and my career. I mean, it's kind of starting off that you mentioned kind of in agriculture. I had started a business, and that business was actually it was we were a broker and producer of hops for the craft beer industry. So you know, hops would you know go into a beer to make it kind of bitter and add flavor to it. We had jumped in into and started this business as craft beer was really growing and exploding. And we found ourselves at a point in that business where we learned so much about the industry, knew so much more at a certain point than we knew when we started the business. Because we literally saw an opportunity, started making calls and just hit the ground running without really... I mean, we had a, we had a plan, but it was we, we just didn't have all the information. I mean, we didn't know what we didn't know. And we were at a point in the business where... You know, we had grown substantially. We had we had taken some you know impressive market share for what we were doing, but we just did not see the long term prospects of the industry making much sense. We saw our margins shrinking and just not that much growth. It was it was a much smaller industry than we thought. I mean, it was a you know a less than a billion dollars a year of you know revenue over the entire kind of the hop industry itself. And so when you look at a you know entire sector that that's you know a billion dollars is a lot of money, but if you're you know working in that you know relatively small of a universe, you know, there's only so much potential. And so we could have been the biggest company in that space, and still, and again, it would have been a, a great company, but more small margins, and it was basically just taking over you know market share. And as an entrepreneur, it just really didn't excite me. And so we had to make a decision of you know whether we were going to kind of continue that business, getting ready to make a major capex investment, build a massive processing facility, kind of the first the first of its kind. I'm in the Midwest, so that's where that's where I'm in, based from out of Indianapolis, and we had our farm operations were in kind of outside of kind of in central Indiana, and we said you know are there other opportunities out there because I'm passionate about. You know, building a business and being an entrepreneur, and is this the best use of my time in this business? Even though we enjoyed doing it, it was a great industry, and I mean, what's better than you know hanging out with brewers and you know having a beer, you know, about eleven a.m. you know as your day job? But we said, are there other opportunities out there? And then we we're talking to our CPA one day, and he said, well, you know, because I ever thought about apartments because he knew that I had invested in real estate kind of always on the side. And I was like, you know, it sounds interesting. Yeah, I've thought about it in the past. 
um, but not too seriously. How about it? Let's take a look. And he had a new somebody who was selling an apartment community. I mean, it was a big deal. It was, you know, like a 250 unit property. I was like, this is huge. Started digging through the numbers and looking into the business and said, there's something really exciting here. And then just to compare, you know, so what came from a, so a billion dollar tire sector and industry to being involved in a billion dollars worth of transactions kind of over that next five years just kind of shows kind of the scope of, of real estate and how it's so scalable. And there's so many opportunities for so many, for so many people if you want to participate and really put the time and energy into it. And so that's part of kind of how I got to where I am today. That was kind of that critical inflection point in my life and my career of saying, all right, we're going to move to sell the hops business and transition into real estate and multifamily apartments. And that wasn't a clean or easy process by any means, but it, it kind of got the ball rolling to forming some incredible partnerships um, with some just great individuals, some great companies. I'm you know, very you know, fortunate to be able to you know, call friends and partners because it's without those partnerships and individuals, we wouldn't have been able to scale like we were able to you know, by any means. Well, that took a lot of insight and fortitude to leave a business that you had already put together and built and that was going good. And a lot of people I would think who would be in that position would not be able to see outside of the box that they had created and to actually discover the limitations that were there. All they would see is the revenues coming in and think, mm -hmm. oh, everything's great and fine. How'd you happen to have that insight and then the fortitude to take action on it? Yeah. You know, I, I luckily, I had surrounded myself with some really smart people. One of my advisors is, is my father, who I saw built a business on his own as well. And, you know, he was giving some good advice of, you know, it's a it's a good business. I think you can build a good business doing this, but, you know, it's going to be a hard business to be in. It's going to be a tough industry. And just the um, possibilities are, you know, relatively, you know, limited and just something to really think about before, you know, going out and raising a lot of money to, you know, make a huge investment into, you know, building a facility, you know, do we really want to, is that, is that the bat best path forward? And really let's look at it, you know, what it could look like in five to 10 years. And like you said, you know, the revenues were looking good. It, it was a, it was a profitable business and we could continue to have been profitable. But then starting to just look at what other opportunities are out there and is this is what I want to dedicate you know the next 10, 20, 30 years of my life doing. I would have, I loved it. You know, again, it was a great industry to be in. Um, you know, I got to work outside all the day, all the time, you know, hang out and go to fly to Germany, spend a lot of time out in the Pacific Northwest, you know, travel around to, again, just visit breweries. But, you know, I can go visit breweries and go to the North Pacific Northwest and I can travel to Germany anytime I want and actually have more freedom to do that, investing in real estate. So, it wasn't an easy decision, but it was certainly one of the best decisions that I've made. Well, the light bulb went off and there was a big, huge transition there. Talk to us about how you really got started in real estate once you made the decision to make that jump. Yeah. So it was really myself and my wife who had was my business partner in the first business, uh, which is called Sugar Creek Hops. And you know, we were trying to figure this whole thing out as we said, okay, real estate, we, we hadn't 100% landed on real estate, but that's what, where we were leaning to. We were also, we kind of put it out on the table. What other opportunities are out there with kept leaning towards real estate, but continuing to explore. 
And it was, it was a process like, you know, a lot of people find themselves in and it really started with just networking and talking to people who were doing it and just trying to learn as much as possible. So, I mean, I, you know, dove deep into bigger pockets, you know, started getting on those forums, you know, every single day, trying to learn as much as I could, trying to read every book that I could, starting to learn how to underwrite projects, you know, understand really how the numbers work, how the operations of, you know, a rental property worked. And we, and we started just looking at, you know, okay, let's look at, you know, duplexes, small apartment buildings, just because that's what seemed possible. It's kind of the first thing you think of. And it wasn't until later, I had some really good conversations with some apartment operators and syndicators here in Indianapolis who were kind of just showing me, you know, hey, you know, have you looked doing some of these bigger deals? And, you know, they involved, you know, partnering with them and partnering with other people. And at that time, we're like, yeah, I don't know if that's what we really want to do. But after, can you know, just have it and continuing to go to meetings, really benchmarking what other groups were doing. And then all of us was the realization, though, that, all right, we could jump into this, do a deal on our own. But what do we not know? You know, we we think we've read that we've read all the books, you know, we've you know had underwrite deals. We think what's going to how it's all going to work out in paper. But man, there's so many things we don't know. And how much of risk are we taking getting to something that we don't understand the process? And so like we said, well, what if we invested with one of these other groups? So we're going to maybe get a little bit of a less return, but maybe that return is going to be higher than if we go out on our own and do a deal and, you know, and mess it up. And so but it wasn't until one of those groups offered us an opportunity to co-sponsor an acquisition of a 200 unit property that they were pursuing where they said, you know, we'll bring you into the partnership as a member of the general partnership and want you to help us, you know, guarantee the loan, you know, see if you can bring some capital to the deal. We were willing to write a little bit of a larger check also. And we said, okay, let's, let's, make the jump, let's do the leap. And we did a deal with that partner. And that led to us doing now, I think we've done over almost 16 uh, syndications as a co-sponsor with that group, You know, I think acquiring a little over almost 4,000 units just as a, a, with a co-sponsor with that group. And then eventually we started syndicating and sponsoring our own projects, building out our own team. Because at some point we realized, okay, now we, we've got the experience. You know, We've done multiple deals. We know how it works. We know what the system's are. We've been able to leverage our partner systems and expertise and track record, which I recommend everyone going down that route because no, no one has it all figured out. No one has all the pieces of a deal. You always have to bring in a partner, almost always. I and mean, even if you don't have to, it's usually a good idea to bring in a partner. And, but we said, okay, I think we can do things a little bit different, maybe a little bit better in some ways, but really just different. We just you know, were trying to build out our own brand, our own company. And so that I've, I've spent really the last two years building out great capital you know, as that kind of independent um, sponsor of multifamily acquisitions. We've got a, a team now of it's going to be nine full-time employees in the next couple of weeks. So we've grown pretty significantly in just those two years from just myself and my wife. And uh, we're continuing to pursue you know, stabilize multifamily opportunities, primarily in the Midwest. We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Talker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steedtalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Well, a fantastic journey there in just a really short period of time. And a good way to go about that is certainly with uh, partnerships. 
Well, uh, talk to us a little bit about raising capital. You say that it is easier to raise 100000 than it is to raise 10000 and that it's easier to raise $10 million than it is to raise $1 million. That sounds real counterintuitive. So talk us through that. It does. And I posed that question last year to my team when we had a large deal that we were looking at. And it was kind of the thesis from doing smaller raises and my experience working with just different types of investors. And I was noticing that I was spending most of my time working with the investors who wanted to invest, you know, $25,000 or $50,000 because that was, you know, maybe the last twenty-five dollars or $50,000 they could invest. And that capital was very meaningful to them. They, they're going to watch that capital, which they should, and every, and every investor should, but it required a lot of handholding. And we don't have a problem with handholding and, and teaching about the process. We, we, we love doing that. But after you know three or four meetings talking about one project for an investor investing $25,000 and then experiencing an investor investing half a million or a million dollars, which is a quick conversation, maybe one meeting and a very quick follow-up, I, mean, I said, I think this is just because we're dealing with different type of people. The individual who can write that you know $100,000 check versus that $10,000 check, they're just in a completely different position in life. And so if your goal is to raise, you know, only a hundred thousand dollars and you're only saying, well, I'll, I'll find 10 people with a 10 grand that that's, that's going to be tough. But finding one person that can write a hundred thousand dollar check is going to be much easier. And then, so we had an opportunity last year it was right in the middle of, of COVID and insanity. No one knew where the market was going, but we had a, a good deal of confidence in the markets we were pursuing. And just we, we knew there's going to be continued demand for housing. And we saw inflation on the horizon which was with everything that was going on. So we were still active in the market. And we had a great opportunity. It was a big deal. It was a $62 million acquisition. It's going to be a... At one point, we thought it was going to be a $15 million equity raise. We ended up getting it down to only about $12 million. And the last two raises we had done were each $2.2 million. And so a significant jump from doing, you know, a couple, you know, several million dollar raises to, you know, over $10 million. But what changed is I started talking to different types of investors. Instead of talking to the investors who could write a $100,000 check or a $50,000 check, all of a sudden I started networking with, you know, family offices or just very high net worth individuals who all of a sudden could write those big checks. And that $12 million raise lasted only three weeks compared to the, you know, raising until the last minute on our past several projects. We had the $12 million raised very quickly. And all of a sudden we had to tell our other investors there wasn't any room available because we had one investor that came in and that said they liked the deal. You know, they committed to a few million dollars, which we were incredibly excited about. So we're like, hey, we're halfway there. Then all of a sudden we get a call saying, we, we want to take the rest of it. We want all of it. And I just said this other light bulb went off and I said, this is totally different. I'm just, we're just dealing with a different class of investor. And it was the same thing. You know, they it was a conversation. They wanted to, you know, take a look at the property. And then it was, you know, two days, you know, here's our response. We're in. So this is how we need to continue to do this. You know, work with these types of investors, still serving our existing investor base because one of the reasons why I got excited about raising capital and getting people into these multifamily projects is because I just I absolutely believe that they are such a great investment vehicle for a variety of reasons, for a variety of different uh, you know goals and strategies. But I just I was just total a true believer in the asset class, and I'm like I, I want to get more individuals into these projects, kind of give them a taste of. You know, you know, real estate ownership because they don't have the time. I know it's a lot of the individuals you work with also who they love real estate. They want to invest in real estate, 
but they've got a full-time job and they don't see how they can take the time to put into real estate and really be effective at it. If they have more time, then they're going to spend it with their family, participating in their hobbies, or just doing whatever they else they want to do, maybe work more in their job. And they acknowledge they're smart saying, I'm not an expert in real estate. You got you all are. I want to find someone and get myself allocated and still feel like I have some connection to it. So I don't want to just invest into a REIT, which I, you know, which I, I don't know what it, what's going on. Um, I want to have some direct ownership, man. You know, I want to know who I'm investing with, and and so we, you know, we love working with those individuals still, and we we can we will we will continue to. But we're you know we're getting ready to launch a project here in the next day or two, and we actually we have to carve out a portion for our individual investors because we know we have a few large anchor investors who are gonna we've got a handful. They're like you know we've, we're, we'll take a million, we'll take a million, we'll take a million. And then someone says, I'll take the rest of it. So we have to say, okay, we got to carve out a million dollars or $2 million for all of our, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand dollar investors, because you know, we want everyone to still be able to participate. So it, it, it's a, right. it's a great problem to have, but yeah, it, again, it's that mindset shift. People are so often focused on the deals that they know that they can do. If they look at their bank account and say, oh, okay, I've got $250,000 and I get this question or people come up to me for advice. They say, I've I've got enough for a down payment of $250,000. You know, what, what should I do? And I, I think that's the wrong way of looking at it as opposed to saying, what should I do? What's the best type of investment, the right strategy for me to achieve whatever I'm trying to achieve? What does that look like? What's that vehicle? And then how do we put that deal together? Whether I'm going to invest with someone else um, that's putting the, that deal together, or I'm going to try to put the deal together and find all the pieces of the puzzle to make the whole so we can execute it. But if you just focus on what you know you can do today, you're never going to get to that next step or that next level. And if I said, Hey, I know I can raise $2.2 million. We're only going to do deals that are equity slug of 2.2 million. We would have been stuck doing those smaller deals forever, which I love doing great small deals, but we would have never done that $60 million deal because at the time I didn't know how we were going to you know, raise the equity when we first pursued it. But it was like, hey, why don't we figure this out? Let's have a couple of conversations. Luckily, COVID-19 had taken so many of the buyers out of the market that the broker and seller were willing to give us an opportunity to kind of prove ourselves. Because in today's market, we would have been, I wouldn't say laughed out of the room, but we'd say, hey guys, what's the biggest deal you've closed? Oh, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We've got a long list of groups who are willing to close and you know, 30, 40 days and, you know, no contingencies and a couple million dollars hard money day one. So much harder to compete today, but taking advantage of that opportunity, taking the chance has now put us in a position where we can pursue those larger projects, even in a competitive market. And we're, we're taken seriously because now we're the group that was able to figure it out and raise that $12 million. And, you know, we know we can do it again. Yeah. Timing certainly is important in this industry, but it is also, like you mentioned, it is, it is mindset. And if we don't look beyond what we think we have the capability of doing at the moment, we aren't going to grow and develop. Well, you are in a position where you're able to give back and add value to the industry. Uh, So tell us about your Gray Report and about the Gray Report newsletter. Yeah, absolutely. So we were having a hard time staying on top of all the research reports and kind of the data sets that come out, you know, the, from the brokerage firms, you know, the, you know, the Yardi matrixes and the real pages of the world. We felt like they weren't doing a really good job disseminating a lot of the, that information. And we said, you know, what if we started putting together a newsletter? Because one, we need to find this information. But I, I, I was anticipating there were probably others out there who 
we're finding a report and it's two months old and you're like, I would have loved to have seen this when it came out. So like, why don't we put some effort in? Let's try to find all of this, really stay on top of it. Let's aggregate it all and just throw it in a newsletter and start sending it out to people that are in our network, people we know and you know potential investors. And that kind of led to really starting this weekly newsletter where we're aggregating literally every new research report that comes out in the multifamily industry. Really anything, you know, the focus is the multifamily industry, real estate, and you know just the macro economy in general and so now you know we have this newsletter that's it's doing all those research reports it also has news articles videos podcasts really kind of delivering it's no fluff it's it's really everything that's going on right now in the industry not a not a sales pitch it's literally you know here's all the facts what you need to know i mean a little bit of commentary and then that became incredibly popular and people started signing up yeah it was really well received we got great reviews people say i i this is like my one thing i check like every week like i don't care for any other newsletter but this is really good stuff so we said well why wait every once a week to send this information out, let's build out a website that does this automatically. And so we built a greatreport.com, which we call multifamily intelligence aggregator. And it essentially is kind of built with a series of, you know, automated RSS feeds. You know, we have our own team that's curating as well as some virtual assistants that's going out there and pulling all of this information. And again, so we've got all the research reports, every article about apartments, commercial real estate, real estate investing, it all gets pulled onto this website as well as updating with latest podcasts, kind of what's trending on YouTube in the multifamily industry. We have, you know, current just more, uh, you know, public market snapshots. And again, it's all, it's all, it's all free. You know, there's no subscription or anything. We literally said, let's, I don't even know how we're going to make, you know, there's no way I don't even know how we can monetize this, but I think that it's something that the industry would appreciate. It's a useful tool. Again, it's a tool for us. And if we find it useful, maybe some others will, as well. And so it's been a little bit of a passion project, something fun to do. Hopefully it adds value to the industry and I'd love the folks to check it out and let us know what they think. Well, sounds like a terrific resource there and that's grayreport.com. Before we go here, I have one last question and that is share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life. How did you come through that time and what did you learn from that? It's a great question. One of my greatest setbacks in life, you know, and I, I've had a decent amount of setbacks, you know, one that's semi recent, honestly, you know, it's a little personal. You know, I had mentioned, you know, my father previously, how he was a great advisor to me, still is with with the hops business. Him and I, we had, we had a little bit of a falling out. It was several years ago and, and we had been doing some real estate deals together and really starting to butt heads and really, you know, in a way that was, that was unhealthy. And, you know, we had done a lot of, we had done quite a few joint ventures together and all our whole business was kind of, it's not falling apart, but the personal side of it was, it was becoming very difficult. And we knew there was, you know, a high probability that we're gonna have to kind of break um, you know, one of the companies we had started together um, that was investing in real estate up. And that was really before I had started ramping up kind of the great capital side of things. And it was kind of, it was pretty devastating because, you know, he has been my, was my, my chief advisor and someone I'd really trusted and kind of got to a point where all of a sudden that, that same level of trust wasn't there. And so it was kind of a sad time for myself, but it was also a great motivator because I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I can't necessarily you know, rely on my father, you know, for all this advice and kind of leaning back on him and for whether it's in business or in life. And I needed just, I need to be that much more independent. And part of it was, you know, I, I wanted to really build out a, you know, syndication firm, you know, that is great capital and great cap. We'd already been co-sponsoring projects, but really, you know, building out our own brand, doing our own deals, you know, that, that was kind of that time period. And I, 
you know, I brought to him, I said, this is what I want to do. And if you want to be, you know, involved, you're more than welcome to. And, it, you know, he, he just had absolute no interest and to a point where it's like, I just don't think you you should do I, I don't think you should do this and that weighed pretty heavily on me but again it it was a major motivator to say you know i am going to do this and it's not to prove anybody wrong but it's just i know what i i, I need to do and i want to do and i knew he was coming from a standpoint of not wanting me to get hurt which is something that's very typical and common you know if you don't want you know our, our children to to get hurt and saying you know hey you know there's just a lot of risk in this you're gonna be raising a lot of money i mean do you really want to start another business we've you know kind of have a good thing going kind of co-sponsoring projects why why do you why do you want to do all this work you know why, why do you want to why do you want to work a lot more and so fast forward we've got a great relationship probably better relationship than ever at this point but it was a it was a tough time for about a year or so I'm kind of navigating saying, all right, I'm just going to go out on my own and I have to, at some point, trust my own judgments and, you know, really get out there and do it. Sounds like a real maturing process. It's hard for parents to let go. And sometimes it's hard for us as children to say it's time to cut those strings. But yeah. uh, but obviously it was. Glad it worked out for you. And thanks so much, Spencer, for being on the show today. Hey, thank you, Alan. Appreciate you having me. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.